Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi guys, quick one before we get into the episode. This episode is sponsored by Zencaster, which is the production suite that I've used from the very beginning of this podcast. And if you're interested in starting your own podcast, hang around at the end of the episode for our 30% discount referral code. Thanks. So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. Are these your notes? These, <laughs> these are your notes about what we're going to say? Uh, anything. Nailed it. It's a short answer. <laughs> so how many novels did you not finish? Oh my from? God, so many. <laughs> it was perfect. What are you talking about? This is nonsense. Ooh, a spicy question. I love it. <laughs> this is it, guys. The big secret to getting published is you have to write a good book. Yeah. <laughs> you got it here first. We're going <laughs> to... Hello and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. I'm Jamie and chatting with me today is the head of editorial at the award-winning digital platform Black Ballad. Joining us just after the launch of her new novel, Hope and Glory, it's Jendela Benson. Hi. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. How's it going? You must be sort of busy with post-launch things to do with the book. How's it all been, the launch and everything? Yeah, it's been um it's been good. It's been interesting because it's like you're kind of ramping up to like launch and then mm. it kind of like happens and you're like okay, yeah, this actually keeps going like you have to keep promoting <laughs> and keep it's not just like oh, bam, there we are, we're all done. So um it's I'll say I'm learning that it's definitely a marathon, not a sprint. Yes. But um I'm enjoying I'm just trying to enjoy it as much as possible to be honest and not like yeah not get so caught up in it that it stops being fun oh well that's great that's a great mentality to to have taken on that and first things first for for everyone listening uh, uh let's talk about the book what is it all about hope and glory yeah so at the beginning of hope and glory we meet glory who's been living out in la she's been looking quite great on Instagram you know living a glamorous life but when her dad suddenly dies she has to come back to England specifically Peckham in South London and she comes back to a family that is in complete disarray so her sister is in this questionable marriage her brother has been um, imprisoned he's been charged and convicted and he's now in prison and her mum is on the verge of a mental breakdown and she comes back to this mess basically and she decides that she's gonna try and fix everything but in the process um, she discovers a family secret which is potentially just gonna blow everything up and make things worse as they do as they always do as we all know <laughs> yeah. well, too well. well it sounds it's it's great uh, and it is great the you know so many aspects of like thriller and drama and all these kinds of things thrown in together as a reading experience i you use these sort of quite punchy um weighty sentences and it feels very personal and, and intimate a lot of the time how much of it draws from your own experiences i think there's definitely 
elements of myself in Glory and in various other characters like Faith, her older sister. Um, Nothing about the plot kind of tracks directly with my life, but it addresses certain things that I think are reality for a lot of um, second generation um, kind of like immigrant children in the mm. UK. So there's a lot about family dynamics and about how like our relationships with our siblings and our parents. Um, so there's a lot of truth in there, but it's not something that I think tracks directly with any kind of um, events of my own life. But um, yeah, it's just kind of observing those around me, my friends, my family, and kind of just trying to crystallise the truth of their situation and present it in a fictional format so that no one can sue me basically (laughs) (laughs) okay well you do that very well and hopefully no one will sue you um the it's set in london where you you live and spent a lot of time when you were younger as well and you really it does feel very authentic especially the parts around peckham am i right in thinking that you spent a lot of time there when you were younger in peckham yeah, so um, my family have always lived in either Peckham or Brixton, so very familiar with South London. And then when I moved to London when I was 18, I lived in Peckham. And oh. that is kind of where I, I guess, kind of came into my adulthood. And also my mother-in-law still lives in Peckham, so I'm still there basically on a weekly basis. So, oh, okay. um, yeah, very familiar with Peckham. That's great. That always comes through, I think, whenever I read a book and you can sort of tell that the author knows the area well because there's a sort of there's elements that someone who was writing who didn't know the area would never pick up on like sort of smells or like nooks and crannies that just a passerby wouldn't know oh that's good i like i'm glad (laughs) (laughs) and let's let's rewind a bit so you've been writing and editing for quite a long time now as a as a columnist a journalist for various magazines uh, and of course um one of the main players over at black ballad when were you first drawn to writing and storytelling? I think right from a very young age. So I think it was actually after reading um, The Secret Garden. I think that's by oh. Francis Hodge-Burnett. I should know, but it's, <laughs> it's Secret Garden is essentially one of those books from my childhood that I absolutely loved. And I mm. read that book and I was like, yeah, I want to write a book like this. And I think if I'm correct, she was one of the youngest published authors at the time or there was someone or one of her contemporaries probably got published I think it was like 13 was the record for like youngest published author in the UK and I remember being in primary school and being like yeah I'm gonna break that record or whatever (laughs) and obviously I didn't but um yeah that was kind of when I thought yeah I want to have a go at this like I've always read I was that kid that got books as presents like every single year it would be like oh what book have I been given this year from auntie so-and-so but um yeah I was always reading but I think it was reading The Secret Garden was like the first time when I read a story and I was like oh I wish I could write a story that is like this that kind of captures people's attention or captures people's imagination even though I didn't necessarily have the language for that at that age but that's what I felt was just that excitement of being like thrown into this world that um you don't know but you're learning about and obviously the intrigue and the mystery and all that kind of stuff so that was when I thought yeah I want to give this a go. (laughs) So you've always sort of wanted to be writing a novel and put one out there but is this yeah am I right in thinking this is your first novel published yeah 
Yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a journey. I tried writing a couple of novels in my youth, which didn't go very far. So I was like, you know what, maybe this whole novel writing thing isn't for me. And I kind of gave it up um, very prematurely. But um, yeah, I, I cycled through a few other, um, I guess, careers. I grew up during the um, Iraq war. And for some reason that made me really want to be a war correspondent, which my mum was like, absolutely not. But then I wanted to be a journalist and I wanted to be in broadcast media. And then a at some point I wanted to be a graphic designer and then realised that wasn't it. And then I was a photographer and a filmmaker for a little bit. And then I came back to kind of writing when I had my first child and I couldn't be out in the world with like a camera and like loads mm. of equipment. I started writing again. So it was kind of quite a circuitous, is that the right word, circuitous journey. But I'm back to writing and yeah, it feels very natural. It feels, it feels good. I'm glad. I think everyone goes through a couple of books um, before they, it's unusual, I think, that someone will, the first book is the book that gets them published, unless they've done like five to 10 years of rewrites on that one book and slowly descended into madness, but it works for some people. (laughs) So there you go. Yeah, yeah. And although this isn't your first, this is your first novel that's come out, but it's not the first book that you've put out into the world. Yeah, so when I was a photographer, I did a project. Um, so I used to do kind of like social documentary photography. So I was very much into storytelling around people's lives and like things that people actually going through, like in my community. So I did a project called Young Motherhood, which was basically about young mums and kind of um, I had a I like had friends who were young mums that had kids in like their teens or like their early 20s. And I kind of had the privilege of kind of walking alongside them, but seeing the struggles that they faced, the judgment that they faced, all of that kind of thing, the way that stigma affected the choices that they felt they had to make for themselves and their children. So I kind of did this project where I just went around the UK photographing women and their children. So, um, quote unquote young mom so some of them were from their 20s to like their 40s and 50s and I think the oldest was probably in her 60s so these are all women who've had children in their teens or very early 20s Mm. so I photographed them and I interviewed them and then I kind of put it into a um, book like a book format that I transcribed the interviews and the, and the photographs but it was also an exhibition so that exhibition kind of um it was in a few different places it was at the House of Commons it was also exhibited at the International Centre of Photography in New York as well so that Amazing. um yeah that was it was a really um it was a really important project for me and I think I learned a lot about storytelling, I think, alongside that, even though it was a completely different genre and kind of like way of telling a story. But yeah, yeah it was fun. And you self-published that, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I self-published that one. What was that like as a as a process? Um, so because I studied graphic design and photography, I think it was kind of like just doing a project for uni. Um, essentially so because I'd done so I'd done kind of all through my degree I'd done these kind of like little book projects Mm -hmm. Um, so I did a project called Where the Devil Won't Go which is about um, a notorious estate in South London which has now actually been torn down but kind of um, some 
ex-gang members who lived on the estate and kind of came out of that lifestyle. And that was, I think, my final major project at uni. And again, it was interviews and pictures. And I turned it into kind of like a book as my final presentation for Uh that. And um, then I did another kind of book around... um, it was a more kind of abstract project about memory and family and it was like a film photography and kind of being experimental with like how I was taking pictures and it was more like a visual essay ex- yeah. like kind of exploring memory and family and those kind of links so that again was like presented as a book so it's like I've always kind of just done I guess I'm so enamored by the form of the book that I've always kind of just made these projects into books so I just feel like yeah it'll be great to have this in a book and it's just a nice object to have and a great way of kind of just telling a story. So doing Young Motherhood was kind of just doing a uni project again, but having more time and kind of doing it over the course of a couple of years rather than like trying to turn it around in yeah. three months or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great that you've got the the kind of scope to to take sort of responsibility of every aspect of the production of that and sort of yeah. wear all those different hats. That's awesome. So interesting to see now you're going through the traditional publishing route with Hope and Glory. Yeah. How, like, how how kind of strange is it, the kind of difference between those two things? Obviously, it's it's a very different thing that you're putting out in, into the world, but, like, mm. process-wise, how, how different has that been? I think it's been different because I haven't had to do everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's I nice. just haven't had to do everything. <laughs> Basically, like, there's actually people paid to, like, proofread and to like copy edit and to like put stuff together so that's been great that's been um (laughs) that's felt like a luxury but Mm. um also I think I guess kind of doing this myself in various kind of iterations just gave me a more like maybe I don't know I felt like I was just more prepared to be a bit more hands-on with certain things so even like when it came to like designing the cover I had a lot of opinions for my cover and um I was very much like obviously the publisher and the sales team and everyone has to sign off on it and they kind of essentially have final say on what the cover looks like but I had very strong opinions and I kind of like gave my input and I guess brought my design background in like tweaking like very specific things so um it was it was a good process because I didn't have to I could be as involved as I wanted to but then also I could similarly be you know what, I'm not actually that bothered about that you guys can <laughs> do what you're doing with that so um that was yeah that was a, I feel like it's a better way to work because um yeah otherwise it's quite draining doing everything yourself I'm the type of personality mm-hmm. that is my default to do everything myself but it's draining and um yeah and also when you've got kids and a full-time job and all that kind of stuff like Mm -hmm. it's just impossible so it was nice to have like a team of people and a team of people who get it ultimately like people who you can actually trust to do the best by your book um because I know some people don't necessarily feel like they have that in the publishing process but I really did so yeah it was great so so you you felt like there were you kind of agreed with most of the things that the editors were saying and, and, and the sort of the way that the production was being done. Yeah. I mean, anything that I didn't feel kind of comfortable with, I felt quite happy to kind of push back, but Mm -hmm. for the most part, I felt like our visions kind of aligned. I think for me, the big thing with the cover was I didn't want a silhouette (laughs) um, on the cover, which is something that 
as being kind of a pattern amongst, especially like black authors and black women authors, like there always seems to be a silhouette undercover in some kind of way. And I was like, I just don't want that. Partially because a couple of years ago, I did a massive thread about how unimaginative it was. So I was like, I can't now come and have a silhouette on my cover after doing this big long thread on in, on Twitter however many years oh, yeah. ago complaining <laughs> about it but um yeah so that was where I had and I know that with um with both my editors I expressed so my editor in the UK and the US I expressed this and um when the first draft came back um from the design team it, both of them had silhouettes and the, both editors were just like yeah we can't give this to her <laughs> like, like we can't do this so it took a so there was like this process of like the both covers taking so long to do and I was like what is going on like why is it? and then afterwards when we finally had a cover that we all agreed on it was just funny both of both my editors were like yeah the first draft we couldn't give it to you because it was a silhouette and I was like okay I understand now <laughs> why the process took so long but it was just yeah it was just having that kind of I think it's really it's been really great for me to have that relationship with like the people involved where I can just be open and very forthright and not feel like like it's an amazing opportunity to be published and obviously it's every kind of like writer's dream but um sometimes I think you can feel like you're almost um like you you like you don't want to be too much of a nuisance because you don't want someone to all of a sudden just be like hey what are you doing here actually we don't like you in your book like get out like you feel yeah. so kind of like burdened by gratefulness that you don't want to like kind of cause any ripples or kind of cause any problems but um I didn't feel like that and I because I knew that I didn't want to feel like that because I was like no like if this book is going to go out I need to be able to stand by everything and not feel mm-hmm. like I have to have any caveats about yeah well I didn't really want it like this but I felt like I had to like I didn't want that so um yeah yeah you've got to you've got to compromise in certain areas but you mm. need to, it needs to be still authentically you exactly as the author. exactly because it's your name that's on the book <laughs> ultimately yeah. so if anyone's got any problems with it they're going to be coming to you first and foremost exactly well I love both the covers the two covers that are on your website. Is that the UK and the US one on the website? Yeah. Yes. Thank I love them you. both. And they're bright and colourful. And I mean, it, it suits the title as well, you know. Definitely. And it feels like a summertime, like spring, summer yes. kind of. Yeah. I really like that about them both. Well, you know, that's it, it's really nice to hear as well for myself and everyone listening that you can, when you go into that relationship with a publisher, you can you know, push back. It, it's it's a collaboration. It's working both ways. You don't have to just do everything the publisher says. Yeah. And I mean, I think that one, like with my editors, they were very clear when it was kind of like, this has been decided. We just want you to kind of sign off. If there's like no major issues, then fine. But mm. for most of it, it is a collaborative process. Um, like no, no one at your publishers wants you to hate them because they've put yeah. out a book that you don't like. Like they mm. want you to be as excited and as happy about it as they are. So um, I think it's always important to remember that. And you are, you are the talent, right? You are the one who they are, who they've wanted to work with. Like so yeah it's it's a privileged position to be in but at the same time I don't feel like anyone should feel like oh beggars can't be choosers in that sense 
Yeah, exactly. And I've had some editors on the show and speaking with them, it's the vibe that I got was it's very much they are there to try and get the best out of the author, not to yeah. say, oh, we should do this bit like that, or we should change the book to be like that. Yeah. It's more, this could be better. You could, we could get more from you and your, you know, you could really come through more on the page here. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. And and speaking of your, your team, the support team, you are repped by the wonderful Juliet Pickering, who I yeah. was lucky enough to have on the show. Yeah. Based on sort of your quite prolific work outside of publishing, I, I was wondering if it was you that reached out to her on submission or sh did she reach out to you? Um, I actually reached out to her. Um, I was working under very early kind of idea of hope and glory uh -huh. and um I asked um I actually asked Nikesh Shukla um about getting an agent and you know I didn't really know where to start and he kind of said oh here are three agents that you might want to approach or whatever and I kind of sent off looking back now very like not the way that you should do it. <laughs> this is not the way that you should approach it. I was literally just like, hey, I'm working on this idea. Like, can we have a chat? And um, yeah, Juliet was the first agent who I met with. And I was just like, yeah, I, like we just kind of gelled from the start. So I didn't even end up meeting any other agents. So I was just like, yeah, this is it. <laughs> Love at first sight. Let's go. Um, That's so yeah, uh, it was a, it, yeah, I don't think, the way that I did it is actually how you're meant to do it. But thankfully it worked. <laughs> hey, yeah, it worked out. You know, if it worked yeah. out, don't knock it. So well, when yeah. you went to her, did you did you actually send her any sort of any of the manuscript or anything like that? Or was it really just a sort of pitch? It was really a pitch. Oh, <laughs> like wow. the manuscript okay. wasn't even written. I think maybe there was like a few chapters that I had written down. No, it was just an outline actually. I just had the outline of yeah. a book and I'd been talking to an editor um uh, not not the editor that I ended up going with but I'd been talking to an editor and he was kind of in this process of speaking with this editor I was like oh I should probably get an agent now like this is actually looking like it might turn into something um mm. real so I just kind of sent an email I was like yeah I've been speaking to this editor and we're talking about potentially in a book and I think I need representation. And then we met up for, I think it was coffee. And I just told her the outline of the book as it was then. And we had a chat. And then I think it was actually on um, the launch, at the launch party for um, Hope and Glory. She actually said that um, it took eight minutes for her to be like, like after the meeting, like within eight minutes, she was like, yeah, actually I want to represent you. And then she <laughs> sent the email and I was like, yeah, sure. Like, let's go. It was really like... It, I know this doesn't happen for most people. So I feel mm. very, very fortunate that it happened this way um, yeah. for me. But um, it was really, yeah, it was a bit random. <laughs> it was a bit random, <laughs> but it worked out. Amazing. Well, that <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, I think it just speaks to my experience with publishing is most people who work in the industry are very friendly and even if Juliet hadn't signed you, the fact that you messaged her and said, could we meet up? Could we, you know, I just wanted to chat with you. I'm sure she would have given you some amazing advice and, yeah. you know, set you on a really good path, even if she hadn't then decided to sign you. And I think it just yeah. speaks to the fact that anyone looking to kind of break into the industry with an agent, without an agent, however they want to do it, 
reach out to people and, and you know, there's a good chance that they will just meet you for coffee and then, you, you know, who knows what will come from yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, exactly. I think people aren't as kind of elitist or kind of standoffish as maybe it looks like from the outside. I know some like younger writers and I've been kind of like semi-mentoring um, one writer. And I, I remember as she was going through the process of like trying to get an agent and she was reaching out to like quite a few agents. I can't remember exactly how many, but she reached out to a few. She had like... Um, a her manuscript kind of like ready and she sent it out and even the agents who said that they were that they didn't feel that they were the right person to represent them or whatever the case may be they still were really nice like she showed me their emails and kind of like the screenshots of their responses and everyone was just really nice like people yeah. are always really encouraging and I think the thing that um I think the thing that is really important about publishing as well is that I mean, it's it can be seen as a plus. It can also be seen as a minus. But a lot of it, I think, is also down to like there's like a weird alchemy of like different personalities coming together because like you working with your agent or working with an editor, it's a professional relationship. But there also needs to be like a certain level of kind of um, just, I don't know, malleability, like just kind of. like I don't want to say magnetism because that sounds a bit like (laughs) yes or no but there just needs to be some kind of like connection like your agent or your editor really needs to connect with you and your work in um just in a very specific way so even like the feedback that um this writer was getting was very positive and they're like you know what this is great I just don't think I'm the right person to represent you or you know good luck and it was all very very positive and I think generally that is the stance of most people within the industry like I haven't really come across anyone outright mean or like snobby or whatever I think people are nice it's just whether they feel like they're the right fit for you or even whether you think that you're the right fit for them because like it's not just them choosing you it's you choosing them yes exactly exactly and I I know a few people who have uh had an agent and and split up with that agent for various reasons and and often amicably you know most more times than not it's a mutual understanding that this partnership isn't going to work and um the author is probably better off with a different agent or or doing something in a different way yeah exactly speaking of doing things uh in different ways and the process of publishing from when you first put the metaphorical pen to paper and started writing the book to it now being out in the world and you having the realization that marketing and press never ends uh which part of this process have you found the most fun and which part has been the most challenging oh um I think the most challenging I think has been editing because you always it feels like you go through these like peaks and troughs like you finish one draft of the book and you're like oh this is absolutely amazing like this is the best thing ever and then yeah. you give it like a week or two you read it back and you're like what the hell was I thinking <laughs> like this is absolute trash so I find that process and I'm in that process again as I'm working on like the second book and I'm kind of like oh this is great actually this might just be like steaming garbage but it might be great like you're just not really sure of what you've got and your emotions are a bit all over the place <laughs> as you're like working on this book that 
that is challenging. Um, but I think the most fun part, <laughs> I think I've just been talking about the book and like meeting readers and like hearing how people connect with the book in different ways and actually feeling like, wow, this mm. thing is out in the world and it's its own thing now. Like, yeah, these are my characters that I came up with and I wrote them, but they go out and people have their own interpretations of them and perceptions of them. People have their own yeah. favourites and their own kind of like ideas about what happened here or what should happen next if there was going to be a sequel. And it's like, <laughs> which there's not going to be a sequel. Sorry, guys, I can't feel the pressure. Um, but it's like, that has been so much fun because I just love talking about books in general. Like I just love reading and talking about books. So to be able to talk about like my book and to hear people's like thoughts um, yeah. on what I've done has been, it's been great. And I mean, I stay away from online reviews. So, so far, everything's been pretty positive. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a wise thing to do. Um, yeah, that must be so rewarding. Um, I've spoken to a few authors who who say, yeah, it's great, you know, if you get really good reviews online and you get lots of this press and lots of hype around it. But some of the most meaningful sort of um reward that they find in it is if they literally speak to one person and that person s says how how it sort of reached them in a really personal way and affected you know their life and the way that they see things and and they felt sort of reflected in the pages that's just I think yeah there's so few things that are re as rewarding as that yeah exactly I think it is just it's just another way of connecting with people to be honest and I think that even the most reclusive of authors is putting themselves out there to find yeah. some sort of connection with an mm -hmm. audience so that really makes it all worth it and I mean like reviews are nice and obviously everyone would love to be critically acclaimed and award-winning and all that kind of stuff yeah. but it's like if people aren't reading your work and you kind of exist in this like really rarefied atmosphere then it's like, well, you might as well have gone into academia, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Just like a highly recognized, like a, a well-recognized published article, you know, yeah. yeah, which is, which is, you know, all, all very worthwhile things and uh, yeah, absolutely has its place, but there's something nice about fiction and being able to touch someone deeply and reach their sort of heart. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and you mentioned that you, um, you do sort of mentoring with uh, an author or, or, or you work with other authors sometimes what advice would you give to aspiring authors trying to get their writing published and out in the world um I would say always submit um especially to like free like free competitions free workshops like those kind of things I would say always submit 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 even if you just use these like deadlines as a way of just getting your work done mm. so you know that okay I'm going to finish this short story by this deadline so even if you've got no expectation because the short story that's finished is like a really early draft and you know it needs more work at least just submit it so that it's done, it's out there, it's finished. And now you can go back and work on it. I think that is um, really important because a lot of the time we have this thing about rejection, like we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of being told that we're not good enough. But if you can kind of, 
get over that a little bit. I mean, I don't think we ever really get over it because it's something that's really personal to us that we're putting out there. But if you can kind of get used to that muscle of just putting yourself out there, I think that can be really valuable and kind of helpful in the long run. And you just never know what might happen. Like you might put a half finished story out there. Um, So the first short story that I ever got published, well, the only short story at this point um, (laughs) is, no, that's a lie. I've had one published since then. But the first short story that I ever got published was for the um, Book of Birmingham, an anthology by Karma Press. And the very first version of that was not even finished. And I just sent it off to the editor Kavita and she gave me some feedback and then I think the project got stalled for a while mm. um and then she came back to me like maybe like a year or two later and was like oh you still interested in kind of writing this and I was like yeah sure and I worked on it but I think if I hadn't have sent her that really terrible first draft I wouldn't have even been on her radar to come back to do you get what I mean like she wouldn't have even known that I'd have written anything so I'd always say just put yourself out there and I always say anything that is free that you can enter for free like just do it submit it and you never know what might happen yeah I think you're right it's 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 almost good practice just to be submitting things just to sort of even if even if it's like a workshop that you have no intention of going to, just it sort of helps you develop that thick skin that you you're probably going to need. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Amazing. That's great advice. And that brings us on to the final question, which is: If Jandela, you were stranded on a desert island with one book, which book would you take? Um, I feel like this is a cheat, but it's the truth. I would take um, the New Daughters of Africa anthology, either one, one or two, um, edited by Margaret Busby, the amazing legendary um, publisher. I think one of the first, or if not the first, like black publisher within the UK. Um, I would. It's if you. It's a. It's a tome. It's bigger than the Bible. It is so. Um, and there's so much in there that I would definitely be kept reading for a while. Um, but yeah, I think that would definitely keep me busy, and I'll just get to read a bunch of different writers. So for those who don't know, it's kind of like a collection of writing by black well, women of African descent, like all kinds of different writers at all different stages of their careers um yeah so that is what i would take that's a great choice i mean always smart to get something in there where you have different (laughs) writing styles throughout clever and obviously bigger the better when you're stranded on a desert island (laughs) exactly (laughs) amazing well thank you so much jendela thanks for coming on the podcast telling us all about hope and glory and, and all the sort of writing journey that you've you've been through it's been really interesting chatting with you no thank you for having me i've really enjoyed our conversation and for everyone listening, if you want to keep up with everything that Jendela is doing, you can go to her website, www.jendela.co.uk, or you can follow her on socials at Jendela. That's J-E-N-D-E-L-L-A. To make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow us on Right and Wrong UK for Twitter and on Instagram at Right and Wrong Podcast. Thanks again to Jendela and thanks to everybody who's listening. We'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for hanging around until the end. If you're interested in starting your own podcast but aren't really sure what that looks like, I can't recommend Zencaster enough. It's so simple to host, record and download your podcast with and it even has a built-in transcription AI. 
It functions entirely in the internet browser, which means all your guests have to do is click on a link and they'll be brought into the conversation. If you click on the link in the description, you'll get 30% off the first three months. All you have to do is click on the link in the description. Thanks again for supporting the show and we'll see you in the next episode.